Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome back to the Buffalo Blitz right here on the Built in Buffalo Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter network. Make sure you guys like, subscribe, and comment throughout the evening. He is Lance. I am Peter. And we got a great episode for you guys tonight. We'll be breaking down a little a bit about the Stefan Diggs saga. We'll, we'll wrap that up. Hopefully, we don't have to retouch that as training camp comes along, but we probably will. We'll be talking Sean McDermott contract extension. We'll be talking Brandon Bean contract extension. Look at some of my wide receiver predictions, tight end predictions that I posted a couple uh, weeks ago. And we're, we have a guest coming on, and we'll bring him on in a couple minutes. But Lance, how are we doing tonight, my man? Doing well, doing well. How are you doing? We're doing good. It was fun. It was fun. Funny thing, Lance and I finally got to meet each other in person. We were yeah. at Wing Nuts on Friday. I'm an intern with Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. So I was producing their live show. Lance came out. We actually got to meet each other in person. We've known each other, Lance, probably a year, maybe a little less than a year. Yeah, a little less than a year. But, yep. but we've never met each other. So it's kind of crazy. We do a show every week. We talk almost daily, but never met each other face-to-face. So it was kind of funny to finally meet each other. But yeah, Lance, tell everyone about our sponsor and, and who we're sponsored by. Yeah, so the Buffalo Blitz is brought to you by underdog fantasy the best daily fantasy app in the world you can log on to the website underdogfantasy.com or download the app underdog fantasy log in you sign up with promo code blitz and you'll get your first deposit matched up to a hundred dollars so deposit as little as ten dollars as much as a hundred dollars or more and you'll get a hundred dollar match or match if you deposit lower so Good reason to get in right now. Best Ball Mania 4 is going on. So $3 million to the first place finisher, $15 million total in prizes. So get in. Uh, it's $25 an entry. So get in. Go deposit $13. Use promo code BLITZ. You'll get an extra $13 back, and you can play $25 into the Best Ball Mania, the biggest fantasy football contest in the history of fantasy football. And guys, as always, like the comment section is open. And if you do miss this episode, you can rewatch it on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. We killed it with the rewatches. I think the last week's episode got over 2K with rewatches on Facebook. Great on YouTube. So guys, if you miss this live show, always rewatch it. And if you prefer to not see our faces and listen to us, it comes out tomorrow morning on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your app or wherever you get your podcast, just type in Built in Buffalo Podcast Network and you guys will find it. Comes out tomorrow morning. So let's get right. Oh, what's up? Let's talk 716 Sports. Uh, Buffalo doing, Bobby here. Um, I'm gonna have I'm gonna go on uh Robbie's show uh tomorrow for Let's Talk 716 Sports. So awesome. Out, I know Robbie, he had stopped, your brother. 
had Sal Capaccio on last week. He did, yeah. Yeah, so recurring guest for him. That's an awesome get every week. And it's time to bring on our guest to break down all things Bills. Dan Fates, sports reporter, sports anchor, Channel 13 up in Rochester. How are we doing tonight, man? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, so tell everyone where to follow you on social media, all that fun stuff. And I'm assuming most Bills fans know <laughs> where to where to find you. Yeah, I know. It's funny. You guys are talking about how to speak pronounce my last name it's at dan fates on twitter and most social media apps f-e-t-e-s and then also um me mike catalana jenna cottrell all run a buffalo plus youtube channel obviously there's so much bills content um for bills mafia and the more the merrier there's plenty to go around uh so the buffalo plus youtube channel also has got a lot of our content hot takes uh just like you guys so we i appreciate it and it's again i always think coming on these shows and and the more the merrier for Bill's content because I don't think there can be enough. Yeah, and Jenna actually was on uh, Let's Talk 716 Sports too with Robbie, so I'm happy to follow in the footsteps of his great <laughs> guests like Jenna and Sal Capaccio, you know. Nice. Yeah, so guys, comment section is open if you're on YouTube. If you're on Facebook, you can drop a comment throughout the night. We'll be here at about 9 o'clock. If you're on Twitter, you got to come over to Facebook and YouTube. So, Dan, we're going to – me and Lance, and I'm assuming you've touched on this. Everyone has touched on this if you create content, if you – write about the bills. If you do anything with the bills, Stefan Diggs has been a hot topic, obviously. So I want to get your thoughts on it. Lance and I have kind of talked about it, but do you think the Stefan Diggs saga is over? And even if that, not that just your overall thoughts on it. Yeah, I don't think it's over. I think at obviously the mandatory mini camp, the pot was boiling. Um, I think that it's been lowered to a simmer and I think that's where the bills are okay with it being for right now. And, and I, look, I, there's something there for anybody that comes in the comments for everybody that comments in and says, Oh, it's all media made up. You know, there's nothing to see here. They're wrong. There is there. There's something there to what extent we don't know, but this was something that was kind of flamed by Sean McDermott, who obviously everybody wanted to know if Diggs was going to be at minicamp. And when we first asked him and we were in the media room, is everybody here more specifically Stefan? He said, no, which wasn't true. So for all this stuff about we all kind of reacted because of Sean McDermott's comments, we weren't insinuating. We weren't speculating. It was his words that said he was concerned. Sean could have came out and said, Hey guys, everybody's here. Steph's here. He did all this stuff. You know what? He's got a personal thing going on. I sent him home. It's great. Personal matter. He'll be here tomorrow. He didn't do that. And then obviously Josh has to go up there, say that, you know, pretty much take the blame for kind of what he had to say and you know, saying that I got to be better. And then Vaughn coming out saying that it's not a big deal. And it was a whole PR circus to the point where Sean has to come back out the next day and clarify his remarks. So there's something there. And the one thing that bothers me the most, and I, I think that if, if Steph has something to say, it should be validated. He's a captain. He's an all pro. He is a massive part of this team and his voice should be heard. Yeah. But this isn't necessarily the best way to go about it. Like, and going back to the fact of we still haven't heard from him since the last, since the playoffs started guys. And that's where I feel like it's unfair that Josh and Vaughn and Mitch Morris, and even going back to locker cleanout, we're asking Isaiah McKenzie about digs and things like that. We are hearing every single person talk for Stefan Diggs, except for Stefan Diggs, And that is what hurts. And that is what is the most confusing thing where you talk about, is this over? 
I guess it'll be over when Steph talks and we get to see a little bit of that sense, but it isn't kind of what's, it's not what we've had happen. So um, I think there's something there from what I've heard. It was building during last season. Um, it obviously hasn't been put to bed yet. Um, and that that's kind of where it is. And again, somebody asked me the other day, I went on a radio show and they were like, is, do we hear from Diggs like the first person at training camp? And I was like, no, you're not going to hear from Diggs. Like they're going to try and keep this thing swept under the rug as long as possible. I know people are at nauseum about what it, what caused this riff and all these things. We don't know. I'm not going to listen to Craig Carton tell me that it's about DeAndre Hopkins money. I'm not going to listen to any of that. That's just sports talk radio. I get it. They got a job to do too, but factually, I think it's, I don't think it's necessarily Dorsey. I don't think it's necessarily Josh. I think it's a, it's a bigger thing about the whole way this team's being built um, and, and some offensive philosophy, but it, it has to get figured out. But Diggs obviously isn't going anywhere, but I also don't think, I don't think this story's going anywhere either. Well, when the news went, so when we were, I was listening to Sean McDermott's press conference, right? And you mentioned it, right? He created kind of a, a problem, circus. right? Like yep. when, yeah, circus. Yeah, exactly. And it was good because it was the day of our show. So it helped our show. <laughs> content. Content. It was great for content, right? And I'm a Bills fan, right? So and a group of Bills fans. So I would, I like content that helps make it easier to talk about our show, but I also want this team to succeed. And so he made a circus and he, put Josh Allen, like you said, put Von Miller in a bad spot. And McDermott in his career with the Bills has been very good at not driving a media circus, keeping everything close to heart, not giving you really anything to write about or talk about. Yep. And as a reporter or as a writer, it's kind of annoying. But as a fan of a team, it's good because you don't want your team to be a media circus. That was like the first time he's created something. And then I also agree with you when you said Diggs hasn't spoken. And Lance, Lance, you remember I was kind of a little animated about this when we talked about it, and I wasn't, I was not against Diggs on the situation or anything like that. My biggest thing was that Diggs, I, I say he's a grown man, well he is, but my biggest thing he had other people having to defend him, right? And he could have put this to rest, like you said, he had Josh Allen, Von Miller, Isaiah McKenzie, all those people that that's not their job, that's not why they're on this team. You're a leader. You're a captain. You should come out and at least say something, and not have all these tweets or these Instagram mm -hmm. things. And I get it. Like McDermott made it a problem. There's two sides to everything. But I was also just a bit annoyed how Diggs didn't really publicly come out and say he doesn't have to say the right things, but just you want to hear from him because he should be getting the questions. And you, you were yep. there. Obviously, Von Miller got was so excited when they finally asked him about his rehab on his ACL injury. Yeah, that's how excited he was. Yeah. And I know there's comments in saying that like Diggs is a diva and, and I don't necessarily buy, I think diva is the wrong word. Mm -hmm. And, and let's not forget, this was a guy that took an Uber to the hospital to, to check on DeMar Hamlin. Like it is so quick that we forget that like, Oh, he's a bad teammate. No, he's obviously frustrated by something and things. People handle frustration differently. We've seen him be animated on the sidelines before. And Sean McDermott has come and consoled him when they were at the bench. And I think it was the Cleveland game in, in Detroit. Yeah, it was that yeah. game. Like, so like we're sitting here acting like this is all of a sudden something new. Like Steph is a very animated person to begin with. He plays with that energy. And a lot of times that's good. But again, like you said, and I get it. You want to storm out of the locker room before the media is there after the playoff game, fine. Show up 48 hours later to the media session, your locker clean out and answer the questions because 
unfortunately, I don't agree with the diva label on Steph. He has kind of made this about him. And so we talk about it's about him, but we're not being able to talk to him. So it, it's one of those things where you kind of go back and forth. And one last thing to your point on, on the, the, the stuff getting out. That is what maybe is the most concerning part about this. And, and I know you want to get to the extension of, of being in McDermott coming up, but like this is uncharacteristic of a Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean era team. And especially where the pressure continues to mount. And sometimes you forget what got you to where you were. And I've made the comparison on our channel and I always joked around about it. The fact of like, you know, when you're in a relationship and you're dating your boyfriend or your girlfriend and you open up the car door, you send her text saying goodnight, you call her and make sure that everything's okay. And then all of a sudden the relationship, you're three years into it and it's not as great. And you're like, why is this not going well? It's like, well, you stopped opening up the car door. You stopped sending her cute text messages. You stopped checking in on her. You stopped asking her what her favorite food was and what she wanted and things kind of fall apart. So yeah, Sean McDermott has built this team from a laughing stock of an underdog where nobody cared about them to now where all of the pressure and he's built them into a perennial Super Bowl contender. But you can't forget what got you here. And it's the little things like you talked about what you did to get you to where this point is with keeping things in-house. So I hope that this is kind of a reset. Sean taking over the defense, all these things to kind of get back on track. Yeah, and that's kind of a little bit of a microcosm of the concern is if is McDermott taking over the play calling going to affect his decision making in other facets of the game? And although it's not a game altering decision that he made, he misspoke for lack of better terms. I mean, he came out and just created this entire thing when he could have just said the truth about it or even kept it quiet, like you said. You know, he was here, he's not going to practice. He'll be here tomorrow. The end. Simple, or whatever. But nope, he's not here. And I wish he was. That's what he says. And it's like, how did you guys actually have dialogue and conversation? And you came out with that yeah. as the output. I just don't understand. I and it's just so weird because we know McDermott's one of the smartest people in the room. And it's like, how can you have that big of a lapse in judgment to, to make that? I just don't right. understand it. Lance, wasn't it? The, the, you know, again, you start now you go back and you look at all the comments that have happened in, in each sentence. You kind of dissect it and you try and read between the lines to try and infer what it was. But the fact that Sean said we had Steph was here. He did everything the team was asked. We had great conversation. At that point, I told him we needed a break and I sent him home. And I was like, I have never had a great talk with my friends or my wife and been like, you know what? See I need to get away from you from a while. Like that doesn't happen. So again, it's like sometimes it's just better to not say anything than to try and go and be like, no, we had great conversation. Everything's fine. I also told him to get out of my face and get out of the building. And you're like, that doesn't, those yeah. don't add up. And he didn't have to tell, he didn't really have to tell us anything. Like he Nothing. didn't have, to, he could have been like Diggs, like Lance just said, Diggs is showing up tomorrow. He was yep. in the building. We had talks but he's practicing tomorrow. He didn't have to say, I sent them home. All he had to say was he was in the buildings. We had some meetings, some team meetings. They came for his physical, whatever, all the technical stuff. Personal matter. Yep. Personal matter. He's practicing tomorrow. And everyone had been like, oh, what's the personal matter? But we would have got over the personal matter because it, nobody would have cared. Because if he shows up tomorrow, which he did, but McDermott kind of made it, he made it a media circus, which is the first time he's ever done that. He pulled kind of like a Rex Ryan type of thing. Like he kind yeah. of, and he was just like, Man, McDermott is human. You get it. But like, 
Lance, you just said, how did he go from meetings and to like, like that was his move to what he said? Like, did he pan- like, did he panic? We, no, we, you, were, you, were, you were in the room, right? I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. Pete, it, it, it seemed like, and now looking back on it and Jenna was the one that pointed out to me, it seemed like he almost came from that conversation with Steph to the podium to talk to the media. Like Jenna looked back at it and she's like, he just seemed pissed. And yeah. I don't know if you like, what you get, you understand correct. why he's mad. Correct. And there is a massive difference and there's a switch. And I wish I, and I'll pinpoint the day it happens this year, but off season, Sean is hilarious. Off season. Sean is like Andy Reed, Hawaiian shirt guy. He's cracking jokes. He's laughing beginning of training camp. He'll make a couple jokes and you'll like, look around and be like, did Sean just, did he make a joke? Like, Oh, ha ha ha. Yeah. We're supposed to laugh now because once it gets to be like August 22nd, all of a sudden he is back to mid season form. Mm-hmm. But right now, like we had a bills media golf event. Like we all got together. Sean golfed with um, Derek Boyko, like the head of PR and a bunch of us, like we all got together and golfed and like Sean's cracking jokes, making fun of everybody. Like he's laid back off season, Sean. And when he came up to that podium, it was none of that. And we're like, oh, okay. Like it's, you know, he's it's mini camp. Like it's back to work. And it's like, but that's not really how he is in the off season. Like mm-hmm. he'll crack a couple of jokes. And so like Jenna looked back on it and pointed out to me and I was like, he came pissed. Like he just mm-hmm. was on edge sitting down at that chair, which again, he's human. He's yes. allowed to have yeah. emotions. But again, sometimes it's, we, we've all been there. Take a beat. Maybe before, especially before you get on camera, especially before you tweet something, especially before any of these things happen. He was better off making you guys wait a little and you guys being a little annoyed where he is 10 minutes. Wait, he hasn't been here. It's still taking a while. Then him coming out and saying what he did. Yeah. Okay. Enough of the, it it will come back around when training comes training camp comes around because Diggs. Will I think be that's there. good insight though, from someone who was actually in, yeah. the, in the media room. So 100%. I do appreciate that. I wanted yeah. to just touch on it quick, just from having the standpoint of yeah. like, all right, you know, we've speculated from sitting on our couches. Let's talk to a guy who was in the dang room and see exactly, yeah. you know, what was said. So, and, or what the scene was. So that was really cool. I, I appreciate that. And the awe, the pause. And in reality it was probably like seven seconds it felt like 15 minutes after he said, I'm very concerned. He's not here. And then give all the credit to Elena Getzenberg of ESPN, because there was a, what felt like a forever pause as everybody was just like, Diggs is not here. Sean McDermott's very concerned. Yeah. And there was no question for, again, it felt like three minutes. It was written reality, like five seconds, but normally questions at those press conferences fire off. And there was such a long pause that we were like, Oh my gosh, he's not here and he's concerned. Again, could have just said he's not here, could have said something else. He didn't. The so that was just kind of, again, the vibe in the room was was very stunned. Yeah, the concern part was he all he had to say he was not here. That's it. He was here earlier or he was here yesterday. You could even you could have lied. Could have lied. No, nobody would have any idea that he showed up this morning, like the morning of. Nobody would have any idea because that's none of our technically of our, our any of our business. Correct. And he shows up to practice on Tuesday, and you go from there. Yeah, uh, but made it made it a media circus, and we're still talking about it. And it's June June twenty seventh. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna start with Brandon Bean's extension, and then we'll work towards Sean McDermott because uh, I think they're two different facets of that. So, Dan, I want to get your initial thoughts on the 
Brandon Bean extension and just your overall view of what Brandon Bean has done for this franchise and maybe what he hasn't done for this franchise. Yeah, what he's done is signed Josh and he drafted Josh Allen. Like there it is. Like <laughs> that that is a it's not a lifelong pass, but man, it is a really good ticket that you can it's a really good card you can play for a long time. Um and he has hit it's funny, he's hit on later round guys more than he's hit on early round guys. Like, yeah. like you think about it, like even if you want to include Gabe Davis, I, I I go Taron Johnson. I go even some of their undrafted guys. Like he's done a really good job with some of those guys. Dane Jackson, like Tower yeah. Bass, those guys. Like he has found starters late in the draft. It's struggling in the beginning. Um, and you know whether it's Cody Ford, you can even throw in Spencer Brown right now. Some of those guys have kind of struggled. So. And he's invested a ton of draft capital in the defensive line, and he still hasn't gotten it right. And I think the signing of Leonard Floyd is part of that move of admitting he was wrong and that maybe, although we're not in the best shape of their life season, A.J. Epinesa may not be the guy and Boogie Basham may not be the guy. Um, so some of that goes into it. But again, you drafted Josh Allen. You were able to trade for Stephon Diggs. Some of some those, those things, things have gone, gone into it. it. I'm hearing the feedback too. I'm sorry, guys. Was that me? Is that me or is that? Yeah, when all... he's, I think when we're talking, it comes through your speakers to your microphone. And then... All good now. Okay, perfect. Okay. Yeah, I don't hear it anymore. Oh, perfect. Okay, I don't know. Okay, like, yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's yeah. live show, live show technology right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just part of it. Like I said, in, in again, you draft Josh Allen. You sign, you're able to sign Von Miller. You're able to trade for Stephon Diggs. Like those are all massive feathers in Brandon Bean's cap. And we talk about the late round signings. How about Matt Milano? How about some of those signings? And 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 being able to land guys like Jordan Boyer and Micah Hyde and retain them and, and extend them and draft, develop, resign. All those things have worked out well. But when you start to kind of comb through some of the things, you start to see cracks in what he's been trying to build specifically on the offense and defensive line. It just seems like he hasn't been able to get it right. And that's where at times it feels like there's a little bit of a disconnect between the team that is being built on the field and the way that the coaching staff necessarily mm -hmm. wants to play. And that's something that I've, um, I've kind of struggled with, especially over the last few years. Um, I go back to, I love Brian Dable and respect Brian Dable more than certain members of my family. And I trusted him in, you know, so much with that offense. And at times when you hear Sean McDermott saying like, we got to run the ball, we got to control the line of scrimmage and we got to be more physical up front. That's great. I want to win the lottery, but that doesn't mean just because you want something to happen, it's yeah. going to happen. So this thought of like, we're going to build this team to be ground and pound when you built, when you built a roster with Josh Allen, an offensive line that's better at pass blocking than run blocking and speed weapons on the outside. Like, what are you trying to do? If yeah. you're trying to play this smash mouth football, like Sean always says he wants to, you're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Now, is that Bean? Is that Sean? That's, I guess, a, up, up to a debate. But what Brandon Bean has done is, is be, bring in the talent that has wanted to come here, and he's landed on some of the big pieces. And the, and he's done really well in that like that I want to say bottom feeder of free agency. Yeah. Leonard Floyd's not a bottom feeder free agency. Right. You got him on a favorable for the most part contract, but like that Taylor Rapp signing, like that's a very mm -hmm. valuable signing. Like Damian Harris is going to be very valuable behind James Cook. Leonard Floyd could have nine or ten sacks, and I think actually it's taken like you said, taken a while to. 
build the defensive line. Ed Oliver has not popped to exactly what they expected. He's shown really good flashes, and then there's a couple games where he just disappears, and that also maybe not playing against playing next to the best type of defensive tackles. And you know what? Maybe finally with Puna Ford and Daquan Jones, mm-hmm. you're going to have a, a big defensive tackle next to him. So maybe that's why they gave him the extension. But you missed on AJ. I would say it's hard to say you missed on AJ Ampinenza. Like he had six and a half sacks. He just, they brought in AJ Ampinenza and then they kind of changed his body type. Yep. They completely changed. So they drafted kind of the wrong player for the wrong system, which is, that's not McDermott and like Eric Washington's fault, right? Like that's the scouting department at the Beans' fault. So you missed on that. Boogie Basham was a very interesting pick, right? Because mm-hmm. you took Gregory Rousseau and you're like, you probably don't need to double down on the defensive line. But I think Gregory Rousseau's, I would say he's a hit at this point. I still think I need to see yes. uh, a double digit sack here from Gregory Rousseau to say like, I'm firmly in the hit category, but he's in the trajectory of being a hit. But you missed on Basham. I th- for the most part, unless Basham or Epidence have a monster year. Agreed. But you like you hit you hit on the Christian Benfords of the world, right? Like that's a already a hit. You already know. Absolutely. You, Demar Hamlin was a, a hit. He started a ton of games last year as a sixth round pick. You hit on I think Gabe Davis is a fourth round pick. That's a solid pick. Tower Bass is a sixth round pick. Dane Jackson was a seventh round pick. But then you have the Cody Ford. You have those type of picks. You hit on Wyatt Teller, and that's yeah, that, that one. That one stings a ton. Yeah, right? like, I hate bringing back 2018 draft year. But, but Bean you know, has brought that one up as the one that he yeah. that that he's kicking himself over. Because if you have Wyatt Teller on this team, this online line's completely different for the last couple of years, and maybe the Bills' seasons ends a little different. But I heard, and Lance, I'll ask you first. Like, is a Devin Singletary and a Dawson Knox a miss? I'll ask Lance you first because I was listening to. Some I think it was I think it was WGR maybe it wasn't but they they brought in as Singletary and Knox as both potential misses and I was completely disagreement on both of those Lance what do you think Yeah I mean I I don't think not resigning him makes him a miss in any way shape or form I mean um, I think Singletary I think he you know he played um starter role for what three years two years at least you know. Yeah. And he was really effective. So I think that Knox was more on the signing than the draft pick. He was a solid pick for where he was, but now they've resigned him to this contract. Yeah. And he's not quite producing stats that match that kind of money. And that could honest. be a disconnect in the coaching that st- like Dan mentioned. Like but I mean, like, you forget his freaking brother died before the season last year. Yes. And mm-hmm. it's like, 100%. you know, you have all these things. People are, yeah, they're human beings. <laughs> like it's our, like uh, things happen and, and things change. So I think that um, both of those guys are, are good picks. If you're talking draft picks. Um, yeah. I know we couldn't resign them necessarily, but. Is what it is, and then Dawson Knox did get re-signed, so I'm not sure. Um, you know, I wouldn't call him a bust. I'm just gonna uh, step away for two seconds, put this thing on. Hopefully, that removes the echo. Yeah, I I think Devin is is a miss. I I think that it's hard not not to say that because. Okay. Listen, I think Devin right away. If you if you're gonna spend the third round draft capital. You're not, you shouldn't then the following year come out and spend another third round pick on Zach Moss. That was the big risk. Right. A hundred percent. But again, if you thought Devin Singletary was the guy, you don't go out and draft Zach Moss. 
which is kind of confusing. You wouldn't waste another third round draft pick on it. And then they went into that off season. It was kind of confusing. I had a source that told me that the bills were really into Travis Etienne in that 2020 draft, like that they liked him too. And obviously he went a few picks before the bills. So while people will tell me, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Like we'll never know who's right or wrong in that case. Mm -hmm. But then you also like, I also know that, you know, they draft Delvin cook and, or James Cook, sorry. And then they also were linked to Christian Benford, this or Christian McCaffrey this offseason. Like they are trying to get things right at the running back position. And for as much as people always want to say, like, oh, like listen to what Sean or Brandon or the teammates say about a guy, actions speak louder than words. And even after Gabe Davis had his great rookie season, and everybody's like, give Gabe more playing time, give Gabe more playing time. And there was ringing endorsements from the top of the organization down about how much they love Gabe. What did they do? They went out and signed Emmanuel Sanders. And that speaks louder than them just talking to a podium. Like some of these moves that you make, again, if you really thought AJ Epinesa was the guy, do you necessarily draft Greg Rousseau the next season and then draft another defensive end and then go and get Von? Like some of those things, like, like I thought it was very telling this year that they didn't draft another offensive tackle because that means they really have a lot of faith in Spencer Brown. So like that, it was a back injury that he was dealing with things and Mm -hmm. things like that. So I think that when we go through some of these things and where people like, I think Knox has been solid. I think Knox for a guy that was playing, he didn't catch a single touchdown pass since until his junior year in high school, until his rookie season in, in the NFL, like he was still learning how to play tight end when he got to Buffalo. Like that was how little he had played the actual position through college, through injuries and things like that. So like, yeah, he was a project and guess what? It, it's panned out pretty well. He's a, he's a productive tight end. I agree. And and again, fringe top 10 tight end. Like, yeah, he can't, you know, he's not a great blocker, uh, but he's turned into serviceable. I would argue at the tight end blocking position. And he has, you know, become a, red zone goal line target. So mm-hmm. I, I, and especially for a guy that you're going to re-give another contract to, I can't, I can't call him a bust or a miss, especially when you, cause that's no. when you could, cause that's when you can cut ties. That's when you can like Devin Singletary say, Hey, play the salary cap card. Oh, there's just not enough money. And then kind of let him walk. But I, I think Knox has been fine. We'll see how this works with, with, with Kincaid. Um, but I, I think Singletary is more of a miss than Knox. Anybody else? Let's figure out this echo thing. Anybody? I don't hear an echo right now. No, we're Anybody good now. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Yeah. What was I gonna say? I don't know. Uh, uh, no. One of the things I was gonna yeah. say, and I'll just Lost interject here, is um, you know, I was thinking about this earlier. Is Brandon Bean like? I forget who uh, put this on Twitter now, but they were talking about the Bills missing the playoffs and. Um, oh, Matt Lombardo was it? Matt Lombardo. Yeah, that's who it was. And Matt, so Matt Lombardo says, you know, his hot take is that um, the Bills missed the playoffs. And then he talks about them going like 11 and five and not making it and how good the AFC has been. It's like Brandon Beans put together this incredible roster where he can afford now to not bring in all these flashy names, even though Puna Ford is kind of a flashy name. I agree. Leonard Floyd, Connor McGovern's a flashy name to me. Um, if you look, if you watch offensive line play, so it's really weird the way that people. I know that we didn't get Jalen Ramsey, but we don't need we we have a solid secondary. We don't play that style defense. We don't rely on corners to do that. Like 
it just doesn't make any sense to me how people think like, oh, the Bills didn't get better this offseason. Yeah. Yes, they absolutely did. They added to the key. They drafted Osiris Torrance. They got Kincaid as another pass catching option. They have done everything they could within the constructs of the salary cap. They can't, it's not Madden football. You can't go out and sign whoever you want for as much money as you want and convince them to come here. And at the end of the day, it's a profession. People want to make as much money as possible. If they can't do that with the bills, they're going to turn it down and go somewhere else. That's just the nature of the business. Some guys have made enough money and they, all they care about now is winning championships and other guys are still wanting to win that championship, but man, I need to get paid at the same time. So I think it's, it's a different philosophy, but Bean has done extraordinary in my opinion this off season. And I said this before the off season, this was going to be a huge, huge off season for Bean to show us what his skills are. And I think he nailed it. He's added to every position of need that we have on this roster and kept the guys that intact that we needed to keep intact. It's like, yes, we did lose Tremaine Edmonds, but we drafted another linebacker. We could honestly, and I wanted to ask you this one just as a little bit of a philosophical question. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure you you dig into the X and O's quite a bit. So it's fun to think about a dime package, right? With Teron Johnson and Taylor Rapp as kind of your, your box guys. And then you obviously have Elam or Benford on the outside with White and then your safeties duo of Hyde and Boyer. I think that would be a pretty awesome and kind of dangerous defensive alignment. I, I see that, and I'm much happier with what Bean's done this offseason on the defensive side than I am more on the offensive side. And part of that maybe isn't even – part of that isn't even maybe Bean's fault as much as it is that it's a different story um, as, as my level of faith and trust in Ken Dorsey. So, like, again, I you know, I, I know there's this thought of, like, I know somebody did like the wide receivers and like ranked the wide receivers room. And I thought it was very fair. And I did the bills at 20 and I was like, yeah, that's, I, I think, I think they're not as great as people think. And that honestly hinges so much on Gabe Davis. Hmm. And that was one of my, my one things that I was worried about last year was the consistency that you need at that position. Now I wanted them to add some, security blanket and if that is Dalton Kincaid then Bean has done that but the the track record guys of rookie tight ends coming in and making immediate impacts or large impacts in offenses is is kind of low so while I do like the Connor McGovern I think they I, I liked I would have been happy with with Torrance in the first round so to get yeah. him in the second round yeah. I was like that's I like that honestly better than Kincaid. And I'm not going to sit here and BS you guys or the viewers and say, Hey, I watch all 22. I studied a ton of Dalton Kincaid film from, you know, Utah. Like I did it. <laughs> and guess what? After being talked and I went and watched the USC game. Cause my original reaction was, I don't like it. And then I went and slept and I watched the game and I was like, all right, like this, this kid's, you. this kid's got something. Yeah. Okay. So again, whether that pans out, then, then my, my thought goes to Ken, Do Ken, Ken Dorsey, use him and say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them 
to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. Successfully implement him into the offensive system because for everybody, and like I said, I'm not calling anybody out, but I go, there are so many people that say, the Bills offense was just as good as it was when in, in Brian Dables last year and all these things. And you can look at numbers and I get it. It just felt different guys. And like we would go after games and be in locker rooms and be in the post game press conferences. And we're sitting there, we're going, they won. I don't know how they scored 32 <laughs> points. Like, yeah. what? like yeah. mm-hmm. what? Like we were sitting there and Josh is, you know, slamming the ball down and things like that. And I'm going, yeah, they won by 14 though. Like that's crazy. It just didn't feel like Mm -hmm. it did at times when everything was clicking under Dable. So again, I know people can point and say they had just as many first downs per game and just as many yards and points. I get it. It just didn't feel like it. And I think Josh and Stefan and those guys will say it too. Again, they won. They won 13 and three. Like they don't have to apologize to anybody. Sign up for that again. Correct. 100%. (laughs) You can run it back. and, And again, and if 19 horrible God forbidden things don't happen. They're probably playing for a Super Bowl like mm-hmm. last year, but yeah. where you talk about, and like I said, I also guys, I, this is my other thing. You talked about like the defense and I know I'm bouncing around. Mm-hmm. I think Christian Benford can be like a Taron Johnson esque impact guy on the bills defense where like the bills change their defensive system because of what Taron can do by dominating the slot, by being yeah. physical, all those things. I look at Benford and I sit there and I go, he's one of the best 11 defenders in my opinion. And I go, you just have to find ways to get him on the field Mm -hmm. because he has instincts from playing the safety position. He's Mm -hmm. got size. He's got speed to play the corner position. Like I just have to find ways. And I go, maybe it's not this year and you bring in Taylor Rapp and that's a great signing to add depth to to Hyde and Poyer and all of those things. But man, when when you sit there and you talk about like, the different variations that you could play out of that dime package or that nickel package, a hundred percent. I just still look there and I go last year, if you would have just looked at player a and player B and you couldn't see their number or what they looked like, I thought, I thought Benford was better than Elam for most of the season. And again, different pressure, way different pressure on Kyrie Elam to be the guy. And Christian can just be the seventh, sixth, seventh round draft pick. That's has plays fearless, but man, I really liked what I saw from Benford last year. Yeah, and I, if you talked about the offense, right, not feeling yeah, the same. I 100% agree, right? Like, look, if you average 30 points a game, I can live with me watching the game on my couch and then after the game be like, eh, I didn't feel great. I'll live with the 30 points. There's a lot – like, I, I know what you're saying. There's a lot worse spots we could be in as a franchise, as a team. I'm assuming 99% of the league would take that, minus probably the Chiefs, maybe the Bengals or the Eagles. Like, those are the three teams that yep. you might be like, yeah, maybe a little better. But the Bills' offense, I 100% did not look the same. Like second half of the year, I would say maybe a little early. Like the Rams game, right? Offense yep. was humming. Titans game, that offense was humming. The Chief. Miami game, they just didn't execute in the red zone, right? Yep. That was one of the they were they moved the ball well. They had a ton of yards, didn't yeah. execute in the red zone, right? The Ravens game, they started so slow, but then the second half, that offense was humming, and they came back and won. Pittsburgh game, I was at humming. Chiefs game was 24 points, but you beat the Chiefs, you'll take it. Packers game was awesome, and then it dropped, right? It dropped. You had the Jets game, mm-hmm. which was a disaster. You with Allen. But then you had the 30 points against Minnesota, but in that second half, the offense completely fluttered out. You had the Browns game, you had 31 points. One of those games, you're just like, eh. I was actually at the Patriots game 
as a media member watching the Bills game on my computer. So I didn't fully obviously like grasp that game. The Lions game Thanksgiving was one of those games where they put a couple drives together really nicely and then fell apart. And then somehow they got bailed out with that great Allen throw to Diggs, right? Patriots game, that 24 to 10 win uh, in New England, 24 points. They kind of dominated that game. Yep. We never thought they were going to lose that game. Agreed. They probably could have scored another touchdown. Jets game, 20 points. Offense was bad. Dolphins, uh, snow game. Offense was good, then bad. Yeah. Then good. It was one of those where like, you just didn't put together a whole game. You would you put together a whole game. You score 50 points. Yeah. You score 50 points. Peter, I remember because I was at both of those Miami games. And mm-hmm. I remember, I remember going, I thought the better team lost both of those games. I thought the Bills were better earlier in the season. They stunk in the red zone. They turned the ball over. Yeah. That was the Isaiah McKenzie couldn't get out of bounds. That was the yeah. fourth down when exactly. Josh Josh skipped one to a wide open McKenzie in the flat too. In the like wide yeah, I down. That. I was in the Patriots locker room and I got a text from a friend. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then you went to the other game when I thought McDaniel was dominating the Bills. I mm-hmm. was and 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 I tweeted. McDaniel is coaching circles around the bills here. And like for like three quarters of the game, he was, and then they just stopped. And for whatever reason, but like I go, I thought the bills were better in the first game lost. We're the worst team in the second game and won. I go, that's just kind of how football is. And then obviously, and you talk about the playoff game then, because then you have the Cincinnati game and then you have the second or the bears. Bears. Well, the bears, they scored 35 points. But that game was one of those – was it the Browns game, right? Like you're just like yep. – or the Lions game. Scored 35 points. You never thought they were going to lose to the Bears because the Bears were so bad on offense yep. and they just weren't a good team. But the Bills weren't crisps in that crisp in that game. But yep. they scored 35 points. Obviously, the Bengals, Patriots, Bills game, you can put an asterisk next to that. That's an after yep. the DeMar Hamlin situation. I agree. It's one of those years – it was one of those years where they didn't put together four quarters maybe Correct. out. But they didn't even put four quarters against the Green against Green Bay. Nope. And Green Bay, they were dominating. Josh threw a dumb intercept, two dumb interceptions, like two out of three drives. One of them was in the red zone. And again, we had this conversation like uh, Josh is just getting a little sloppy, a little careless in the red zone. And like, again, it was never at times it was like they could move the ball with ease, but then they'd shoot themselves in the foot or it was a big play to Gabe or a big play to staff. It was a it was a confusing. And that's where it was. Guys, they didn't really have an offensive identity. And it was a lot of. Hope that Josh is super Superman, yeah. and that's a and, tough recipe. Because yeah. I remember, I remember after the the Vikings game, when that game happened, and it was like the Vikings recipe is fourth and forever, and just throw the ball up to Justin Jefferson and hope some things happen. And guess what? Sometimes it works, yep. but a lot of times it doesn't, and you get shellacked as a Vikings as a Vikings team did. So and they should have, and they should have. Exactly. Game. So again. Kind of a tough spot. And again, it is what it is. It's a fun conversation. It, it's a really fun conversation. I said the same thing too. I think is like, you know, um, Josh Allen was just basically here, go be awesome. And we'll see. And we won 13 games on it. It's like, won, all right, well, that was, that was literally, that was my prediction as well for Dorsey's offense last year. Like uh, was, we got Josh Allen, he's going to figure it out and we'll win. Well, it works 90% of the time, 95% of the time, right? Because you play most of the time, teams you play, 
you're nowhere near the quarterback play of Josh Allen, nowhere near the roster of the Bills, right? But then you get to the Dolphins who have a really good roster. The Jets are going to have a good roster this year, or the Chiefs or the Bengals or a playoff game to that magnitude, and you're going to have to be at execute coaching-wise. And I think McDermott is a great coach. I think McDermott has done a great job with the Bills. Oh, great. This might be more of the Ken Dorsey issue and why you have concerns and why a lot of people have concerns. But the funny thing is I found times like the Bills – did stuff well on offense, right? A couple possessions. And then they just went completely away from that, right? Like, mm -hmm. okay, so the short pass, I always go back to the short passing game. Short passing game worked great against Pittsburgh, Green Bay, Tennessee, and then it opened up the big plays. But then we completely went away from the short passing game. Don't, and I don't want to hear the Cole, we didn't have Cole Beasley. Well, we didn't have Cole Beasley at the beginning of the year when the short passing game worked. It's yep. just like it, they, they made it too complicated on themselves by making it too simple. By making it just like a too simple of an offense, which is a weird thing to kind of say. No, and that, that's exactly it. And it's, I've actually thought a lot about this because I hate running. Like I hate running the ball. I think it's just a waste in today's NFL. Like you have Josh Allen. Why would you take the ball out of his hands 30 times a game? Like it just doesn't make sense. That was oh, the yeah. one thing where it's like, I'm not, a, I'm not a believer in the real, like the salary cap is real. And when people are like, oh, the bills could get Derrick Henry. I was like, Derrick Henry's a volume running back. Like he's better on his 27th carry than his first carry. So like he wouldn't fit in this bill no. system. It's why I like Damian Harris, because I think he can provide short yardage bursts, but I think he can also hit a home run if you need him because he's only going to get eight to 10 touches. Cause I only want the bills to run the ball 18 times a game. I want the ball in Josh Allen's hand because he's the best player on the team. The end. And I looked at this and like Trent Dilfer had just really good points about it. And he always talked about how it's great quarterbacks take the cheese that like, you don't always sit there and look for the perfect play. Like sometimes just take the four yard out and yeah. the guy gets tackled and you second and six. And then you take another one. It's Tom Brady did it for 20 years. It's death by a thousand paper cuts. You, and there's just the nothing. Out. Yeah, it's just nothing more demoralizing. Chris Long has talked about in his podcast that like, if you give up like a run play, you can be like, Ah, man, like we, we'll get him next time. But when you give up constant third down completions and the chains keep moving, he goes, you walk back to the sidelines like, guys, what the hell are we going to do? And again, that, that steady continueness. And again, that's where I don't know if the relationship between Ken and Josh is the same as it was with Josh and Dable. And like Dable was that father figure that could grab Josh by the pads and say, knock it off. Like enough. This isn't what we're doing. Knock it off. Yeah, you need someone to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, and guess what? Ken has been the guy that Josh would go to was his buddy. And he'd be like, you're good. Like, you're the quarterback coach. You're his friend. Like, you'd yeah. be like, hey, hey, man, don't worry about it. We're good. We're good. We're good. Would, We're all good. I would love to be that guy. And he was a quarterback, right? So, you know, exactly. that Dorsey knows exactly. That's the frustrating part is like, Dorsey knows exactly what he needs to do. He's been in that shoes, right? Like, but Lance, but my my question is, is that when you have a buddy, who's your buddy as that, and then he becomes your boss, yeah. do you respect him? You you see what I'm saying? Doesn't work like, as well. Like yeah. like I, like I'm just saying, like I've had those guys that like I played college baseball and like the kids you know, great older than me and he's the captain on the team and then we're buddies when we're teammates and then he becomes the uh, you know the grad assistant coach and he's trying to tell me to run sprints and it's like, dude. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. buddies. What are you? Yeah. What are you talking no, about, man? Yeah, hundred percent. That's where I was always worried and skeptical about giving the keys, the Ferrari that is the Bills' offense, to a guy with a learner's permit because Ken Dorsey hasn't called plays. And guess what? You're right. Brian Dable sucked his first what five, six offensive coordinator jobs, but he learned and made mistakes and got better. 
And that's what was part of it. And again, this isn't, this offense isn't the type to rebuild or to be figuring stuff out. He was no. left the blueprint. So it's frustrating when after the season, being a McDermott kind of say, well, you know, there's going to be learning curves. There shouldn't have been though. It, Cause that is why you took the chance on the guy that was already in the building. You overlooked the lack of play calling and things like that because he was already here. It was supposed to be a seamless transition. So don't sit there and say, well, we knew there'd be a learning curve. Well, then why did you do it? Like that, that was what frustrates me. And to some respects that goes to Sean and that that's on Sean. And that's a mm -hmm. big thing on Sean this year is there's no more. There's no more Brian Dable. There is no more Leslie Frazier. Ken's kind of the last guy that you can kind of point a finger at. And after that, it, it it's back on Sean because then everybody's gone and Sean's the one. Yeah, I think it's uh, interesting. It's going to be interesting. And, and that's kind of our next topic, too, is to talk about Sean McDermott getting extended. And it's I like just talking about the random offensive thing. Now, I'm joking. Keep going. <laughs> it, was, it was good. Um, yeah, we could just talk like we, we didn't. We weren't going to make banners because we knew we could get into this mode and, and <laughs> it is what it is. But um, McDermott gets the extension now and it's kind of like this vote of confidence thing, right? From mm -hmm. ownership that says, hey, guys, this is kind of like showing Terry Pagula's leadership, too. And how and I've just been singing Terry's praises lately on the show just because people don't understand how all these conversions of bonuses and all these things incredible. happen is literally him writing a check to those yep. guys now. Like, boom. Yep here and it gives being such flexibility Absolutely. to actually like operate the way he can and be as great as he is because terry pagula is just so generous to say hey yeah yep. i got you you want this 5.8 million bucks boom here it is and like now that's coming out of his bank account and people don't really realize it and it's just fascinating how you know bean has been able to be so great um and, and uh, so i really think that he deserves that extension, but, but McDermott coming in here, getting his extension now is, is again, Terry saying, look, I just, because this digs thing happened doesn't mean, um, you We're know, paying. we don't love you. And it's, and it's just a, a atmosphere. Now, the one question I had about that though, is it's a process. So how does, I mean, was it something maybe on the table, do you think, or how do you get from, um, you know, you kind of have a little bit of a infighting, deal going on and then boom you're allowed to just i mean was it on the table just to execute you think or is it just like something would they have been talking about this regardless of of the digs i think it was on the table i think that you know i think sean's the guy as long as he honestly for for quite some time i guess i can't say as long as he wants to be there but i'll say this in the fact of it's a little bit guys of it's a, a tiny bit of a pr move Right. It, it's yeah, a little be. bit. It's a little bit of, hey, look over here instead. Don't worry about the Stefan Diggs. Have a good look. weekend. It's on a Friday, right? So Right. The <laughs> Friday, five o'clock news dump or whatever. Like that is what it is. So I, I think, listen, what Sean McDermott has done is unbelievable. Thinking about where we were. My first season covering the team was Rex Ryan's last year. Like I was there in one Bill's drive when the car, when his billboard of a bills truck pulled out of the driveway. Like I covered that entire saga. It was unreal. 
to now see this. And it, the, the one thing I always point to is like, oh yeah, there's an adult in the room now. Like I've heard stories that like Ed Reed was like sleeping on Sean McDermott's couch in the coach's office. Like, like it was insane. The stories that could write books of, of Rex Ryan's time in Buffalo are just insane. And Sean McDermott deserves a all a lot of the credit of turning this franchise and this organization around. Mm -hmm. But I will say that entering this season, I don't think there's a coach head coach. That's probably under more pressure. There's a difference between pressure and hot seat. Like Sean McDermott ain't getting fired guys, but like, I see what you're you, saying. Okay. Yeah. You see what I'm but, saying? Like, like Robert Sala, I would, I was going to come back and say like Robert Sala is a ton of pressure, but Robert Sala is probably more on the hot seat. They don't the playoffs. Because he's gone. He's gone if they don't make the playoffs. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Sean McDermott ain't gone. Like, Correct. But with the expectations, with the roster, with all of these things, it's fair to say that like he has a ton of pressure to at least reach the championship game, the AFC championship game. And again, that doesn't mean he's going to get fired if he doesn't accomplish those things. That's not going to happen. He has job stability, but that doesn't mean that you just, he can sit there and be like, hey guys, we built a pretty good football team that's constantly going to the playoffs. Like we're all good. Like let's put our, you know, kick our feet back. So Sean deserves a ton of credit. It's another sign of, Hey, you're going to be here. You're the guy. We love what you've built. Keep building it. But I, I, I don't think that it's crazy to say like Sean's got a ton of pressure on him because there's no more Brian Dable. There's no more Leslie Frazier. So if something goes wrong defensively, Sean, it's on you. Like we can't, we can't have any more lapses. Who was calling plays? Who was doing no. this? Who was in charge of that? Like Sean, it's on, it's on you now. But again, I want to make it very clear. Pressure and hot seat to me are two totally different things. The expectations are so much higher because of it. Yeah. Like Rob, Robert Salas. Great, Robert, great example. Probably, probably both also, but great yeah. example. He has a ton of pressure, but he's also, if he doesn't make the playoffs, right? Like if the, he, he might get fired if the Jets don't win a, if they make the playoffs and don't win a playoff game. Like the expectations for the Jets, because I live in that media, that market, mm -hmm. right? Like the listen to WFN all the time. Yeah. And Jets, like uh, reporters or Jets, um, guy, radio host at WFN, they're like, if the Jets don't win a Super Bowl in the next two years. Like this is a complete failure because and because there's no there's nothing after right like say the Bills go out in the AFC Championship or the division around the next two years right you still have Josh Allen at a pretty yeah, Rogers window yes in a pretty young age Rogers is done and you're rebuilding with a new quarterback are you drafting the guy do you want Joe Douglas to draft another guy and miss another like it's a whole crapshoot so I agree like that you have a hot seat there and some guy brought in. Uh, this is going back to Dorsey a little, but it's still the McDermott situation. Do you think Dorsey does get better because his second year of his play calling? Like I know God, you I said, so. I know you said the learning curve, and you didn't want that because this offense is a Ferrari and not like a Honda or Hyundai, whatever. <laughs> so, but do you, I'm assuming Dorsey should be a little bit more comfortable in his second year with the play calling, right? I, I agree because I also think like for. For anybody that's ever played Madden or watched a football game, we act like calling plays is so easy. I, I don't think there's a harder thing to do in professional sports as a coach. Yeah, like you get 45 seconds and at 15, it gets cut off. You can't talk anymore. And like, again, you it's so funny because play calling gets criticized based on result instead of the idea. Like if you call a correct play, because the box dictates what you're going to do and you've set it up perfectly and you're designed to go, you know, play action to the right and you're going to hit the, the tight end crossing on the left and all these things. 
and the guard gets beat and the play gets sacked. And we're all going, what a dumb play call. Was it a dumb play Dorsey's call? Fault. Correct. That or was it? couldn't block anybody. <laughs> right. So, like, I'm sitting here, like, well, well said. I go, I'm sitting there, I go, so, so because one guy messes up, Pro bowler. That's, that's on Dorsey. Pro bowler. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, is that on Dorsey? Yeah. Like, no. no, it's it's not. So, like, we have to put into perspective, like, anybody that's ever called plays on Madden that goes, so easy. I think it's incredibly difficult. And I think that's why Brian Dable got better over time. So, I, I'd like to think that, that Ken gets better. My fear is that, again, we were at OTAs and Ken said, we're still trying to find the identity of the team. I don't love that. And guys, just like we said earlier, lie. Lie, also think, lie and say you have an identity. I also think Dorsey is a terrible PR. Like I don't <laughs> think he is. I think he hates it. I watch. I you I, you're in the room. Obviously, you know a little bit more than me. But like I, I'm on YouTube or the Bills Twitter, wherever they post it, right? And I'm watching. I'm like, this guy looks so uncomfortable. He just wants to go call plays and coach football. He does not want to be here. So like, nope. I think, he's, and which I, you know what? You're a grown man. He should be able to talk in front of someone. But it's not the easiest thing. And nope. why? Just just why? Be like, yeah. Lie. Not saying we haven't figured it out, but yeah. We're working Kincaid in different things. Uh, he's Fine. working with Allen. We like him here. We like him here. Blah, blah, blah. Most of the time, if you just drop some fancy knowledge, most of us are not going to know what you're talking about anyway yep. and not care. But if you say, yeah, we're still figuring out the identity, people are going to lose their mind. I tried not to because I was like, it's early. They're going to use them. I try not to be like. That's what every. Yep. Nope. That's what. Every word. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. That was my original hot take was cringing going. Don't tell me you don't have an identity after last year where I thought you didn't have an identity and now you had more off season <laughs> to figure it out. But again, yeah. it is. It, he looks uncomfortable. He doesn't want to be there. He doesn't, want to, be, not, he doesn't want to be in front of the podium. Yeah. And, and my boss, you know, my, Mike Catalana, it was great too. He's like, even if he did have an identity, why does he have to say it? It's like, that's also true too. So again, I try and try and look at it yeah. every single way, but yeah, that's. Just don't, drop, just, just don't just say, yeah, we have an identity or just, just say. say, well, say just, They're just doing say a hell of a job of selling tickets to training camp and stuff though. That's, I mean, they really are just like smashing it. It's driving us all insane so much that we're like, we got to get like, I want to go to the first practice that I can. Cause I want to see like, what's going for me anyway. That's how I am reacting. And I'm like, you know, the whole fiasco with the, the training camp tickets. Yeah. And, and that kind of thing just it is what it is. It's fair. More people hopefully get to go, but it just was a bummer for me who used to be able to have my pick of the litter being oh sure member and things. It's like, yeah, man, I wish I could have. So, anyways, the um, but they they are absolutely selling tickets, they're intriguing. Everyone wants to see now um because of it. So it's a little bit of a sly, and I don't know how much credit we want to give them for being that smart, but it is a little bit of a sly move, and these guys are are kind of playing it very well now <clears throat> it's not always the best for guys in our position and, and look you gotta go on a screen almost every day if not every day right and, and try to figure this out and so you know a weekly show is for me is like all right we got enough stuff during the week to to get it but you're going on daily like hey man like what is there i mean if there's nothing new what is there so it's uh it's it's fun i i think for 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 someone in your seat to, to have these guys just being a little bit of um, reserved and, and yeah, man, give me, give me just a little something I can, I can tease at just to follow, follow a breadcrumb somewhere. I think. Yeah. And, that, and, and to Peter's point, like that's like, Sean doesn't usually say anything. And honestly, Josh usually doesn't say anything either at his, you know, you guys listen to Josh on Wednesdays. Like he doesn't really say a ton of things, but I always look to it too, that like, Brandon Bean always says enough to 
give you a soundbite, but he doesn't really show his entire hand of cards. Like, I, I think that's what he's done really well. Um, but yeah, it, it should be fun and exciting. Um, the Bills are absolutely Super Bowl contenders, um, yeah. whether or not we want to. But that doesn't mean that we can't Criticize. be critic, be critical. And, yeah. and, and again, that, that that's our job. And so many people say, well, you're just being negative. I'm not being negative. I'm just saying, like, there are massive expectations. This is different this year than it was entering in 2019. It's different than it was in 2020. It was different than it was like we are again. The bills will always be in the super bowl window as just like Joe Burrow said, as long as 17s at quarterback, it, it's just a fact. It's just a matter of, do you have other weapons in your toolbox in your tool chest to, to pick things up if things go wrong with Josh and he has a human game um, that, that that's where we can talk about, Coaching, you know, where Ken Dorsey needs to give Josh some freebies, you know, as they say that, like, guess what? Throw a goddamn screen pass. Would you say like for me? Yeah. I'm just like, throw a screen pass. Yeah. Guess yeah. what? Aaron Rodgers doesn't isn't asked to break down the defense and pick a pick him apart on every single play. You know what? He he gets guys um plays that are just throw the ball here. Like, like do this. Mike McDaniels calls easy plays for Tua to the point where it's like, Hey, you're going to play action this way. And you're going to throw it to that guy. Cause he's going to be open. Like I want more of those freebies for Josh Allen this upcoming season. And also one thing I think good for the bills going into last year, right? They were the super Bowl pick. They were the national media, mm-hmm. pick, all that fun stuff. Nobody's talking about them in the national media. No. Nobody. It's you go on and you're going on Fox sports one. It's, the Dolphins are winning the division. The Jets are winning the division. The Bills, eh, they're not great. Sean McDermott's getting bashed for on Colin Coward for signing Leonard Floyd. And I was like, that's a weird thing to put yeah. out when you're bashing someone. Uh, Leonard Floyd. I was like, it's a pretty good signing. So the Bills are not a sexy pick right now. Good thing. I, I don't I think the Bills are better when they don't want to be talked 100%. about. Hundred percent. Should should that be the case? No, but if it results in them going to a Super Bowl, I don't care. Right? It's one of those, I, uh, it's one of those things. They love this underdog. Nobody believes in us. And for the longest time, they haven't been able to play it the last few years. Um, they've been able to play it now. Yeah. So I think this is a good spot, good spot to end it here. Uh, actually, you know what? Let's get one more question. Dan, you got a couple more minutes? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you're going to be at training camp, obviously covering it. Lance will be there. But I want to ask you one. We can go around the horn quickly here. One player to watch while we have you, obviously, during training camp. Oh, that's a good question. Um I think it's going to be, it's going to be Gabe for me because I, I think he really is, you know, Gabe Davis is going to be, you know, a, a difference maker in this Bills offense. I, he can't be a guy that goes four for 40 every single game. He needs to be a six, seven catch guy, a reliable target. And I don't know if you guys know this, um, but he had an ankle injury last year. Um, and Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have reminded us that at every single opportunity that he had an ankle injury. Cause I don't know if you were aware, but he had, he had an ankle injury and <laughs> it was, it was worse than we, when we were expected. And listen, I was the one that tweeted video out after, I think it was, he missed the Titans game. And then everybody expects him to play in the Miami game. And everybody's like, he's so tough. He's going to play through it. And I was watching practice and I'm going, there is no way this guy's playing like, and Gabe's like, I'm 100% playing. And everybody's like, what are you talking about, Dan? He said he's playing. It's like, he was nowhere near where he was for the season. And again, I'm not a doctor, not an all-22 guy, but like, he didn't look right. And I think that got into his head a little bit. It affected some of his hands, some of his drops, confidence-wise. 
if he's confident and we can, you know, if he can be gassed up by Stefan Diggs to be that guy, to be half of what he was in that Kansas City game, like it's he changes the entire Bills uh offensive offensive room. And the fact that again, I, I think they are a, a middle of the road wide receiving room, but if Gabe turns into this top 25 wide receiver like so many people want him to be. Um, I think it absolutely makes Ken Dorsey's job a lot easier. It makes Stefan Diggs job a lot easier. It makes Josh Allen's job easier. And looking at that, he just needs to me to, to me contract year, all of these things. I think it just has to be a massive year for Gabe. Lance, one player to watch during training camp. Obviously we'll get into this a little more in the coming weeks. Yeah, but- for sure. I'm going hardy at the same, like same reasons. Like we have all these, weapons how good are they going to be hardy seems to be this new isaiah mckenzie ish role type player that could be even better in certain other situations and not just a gadget guy actual route running and hands and all this stuff and shows promise has some a little bit of tape that's pretty awesome but is it gonna you know did his injury end that or is it gonna continue and it's because I had to pick one player, I did just Hardy, but it's really those guys. It's all of them. It's Shakir, Hardy, and Sherfield. Those are the three guys that are really competing to figure out how this offense is going to actually be able to operate and how it's going to look. Like those three really need to come in and have the right roles and have the right positions to uh, affect. I think Shakir is going to be a little bit more um, involved than maybe people are giving him credit for. And again, that's what I want to see. But yeah, I, I think. Agree. One player, I'm going to go defensive side of the ball. I think this is a hot topic right here. Kyer Elam, right? Like, this is a guy that first round pick, pick 23. The Bills traded up. Didn't pick your guy. Sorry to interrupt you, but you didn't pick your guy as the one player to watch? Who's my guy? 42. Oh, Dorian Williams. Oh, well, he's another guy to watch because he's in a he's in a battle as well. I, you, could, you could go. Peter Sky is Dorian Williams. You gotta you gotta send Peter some some picks of his of his guy when you're. Oh, I'm I'm a huge Dorian Williams fan. Uh, I think he wins. <laughs> I think eventually he becomes the middle linebacker. And I'm Ooh. one of the people that didn't bat, didn't bash him when we drafted him right away. I'm one of the few people on social media. But Kyrie Elam, right? Like, I agree. I think Christian Benford probably deserved to start that Rams game, and I think he deserved to play a lot. And then he got injured, and it was kind of unfortunate. But I also think Kyer Elam down the stretch, Miami game, the playoff game was very good. I think he doesn't get credit enough for being productive. And something that being said was his practices haven't been great, which is weird because like he's played pretty well in some of those games that he started and then his practices don't line up. So I think training camp is huge, right? I do still think he wins the job. I'd be really shocked if he doesn't, but he needs to earn it. He, we know you can't, you're not going to be like, well, he's the first-round pick. He's going to win the job. He didn't win it last year. And it wasn't like Christian Bedford was a veteran coming in. Christian Bedford was drafted in the same class just a handful of rounds later. So I think Kyrie Elam's going to have to earn it, right? He's going to have to beat out Dane Jackson. I wouldn't count out Dane. The Bills will have – I don't not trust him not to go back to Dane. I think you have to beat out Bedford. I think he does, but I think him, like Dorian Williams, that's a huge – those are two huge position battles, but that CB2 battle Massive. is be awesome. Awesome to watch. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So, do you, do you, I want to ask you, Dan, quickly. Do you think he wins the job? Do you think Elon wins the job, or is it like a day? I do. Or a okay. I do. I, I think. I think he got better as the year went on, um, and I think he had some of his confidence shaken a little bit, as any rookie would. Um, and the Bills are also protective of 
more than they are their other round picks, they, they just seem very protective of high round picks of never giving them too much. Uh, put they never seem to throw them in the deep end. I mean, I even look at it that Josh Allen didn't start week one. I mean, that was that was Peterman. Peterman started that first half against Baltimore and then he came in. Like, so like they are very conservative on high picks, not to put put too much on their plate. Um, but I think as Kyer, like you said, I think as the season went on, I know somebody commented in that he that he was better than Benford as the season progressed. Benford also dealt with a hand, a wrist, oblique, things like that. So, but I thought he was better by the end of the year. I'd look to see, continue to see him uh, ascend. Yeah. We talked, we were complaining about the bill, not complaining, but like uh, criticizing the 13, three year last year, rightfully. So some of the offense, I'd rather do that than that. Nathan Peterman. Yeah. Saga. I'll take the, I'll take 30 points, weird 30 points, not comfortable 30 points over Nathan Peterman, that Ravens. Yeah, that's fair. That's or Josh Allen's rookie year. So, and I was I was actually at that Titans game. That game was they won, but oh my god, in Nashville? No, it was the rookie his rookie year when they won 14-13 on the Hauschka game winning. Yes, that game was uh, it was my first Bills game in Buffalo, so I was like on a different planet. I was so happy. Yeah, but it was one of those games where it was just. Man. I remember that game too. Yeah, I remember talking one. to to uh, Hauschka. Yeah, after the game, and he said that the ball curved back. We remember asking him because, like, I, like as I'm on the sidelines, I'm filming just the kicker, mm-hmm. and I remember it filming it, and you just kind of focus on the kicker to get the reaction, and a bunch of Titan fans started celebrating. Players started celebrating, and then the ball went in, and I was like, "Holy cow!" Like you're, you're filming it. And I remember asking him, like, "Did you think it was you missed it?" And he was like, "I knew it was coming back." He's like, "They didn't know it was coming back." He's like, "I knew it was coming back," and it's like, "Play that draw, man." <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Buffalo Blitz. That was awesome, Dan. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, of course. And as always, guys, follow Bill and Buffalo on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. If you missed this episode, you can rewatch it on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Podcast version comes out tomorrow on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And quickly, Lance, what, who are we sponsored by? Yeah, so this is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the best daily fantasy app out there. Uh, sign up at underdogfantasy.com or the Underdog Fantasy app, promo code BLITZ, B-L-I-T-Z. Also, uh, some exciting stuff coming up with Buffalo Logo at their golf tournament on July 16th. Going to be out there um, as a whole sponsor. So got some cool partnering going on over the summer. And uh, also, don't forget, uh, follow our guy Dan here. Oh, He's yes. got a Buffalo Plus network going. So uh, feel Appreciate free it. to give him a little follow and give him a little love. We, we obviously... Had an awesome time. It, yeah, it was blast. great talking to you, brother. And then thanks for joining us and hope to uh, do it again sometime. Yeah, keep in touch, guys. Thanks again. Of course. And guys, we will be off next Tuesday because it's 4th of July. So everyone have a great holiday weekend. Enjoy the long weekend. We'll see you guys in two weeks. And as always, make sure you follow Built in Buffalo and go Bills. Go Bills. <laughs>